0: Welcome everybody to another edition of The Naked Voice, our semi-regular podcast series where we discuss everything healthcare and healthcare marketing related. As with a few previous episodes, we're gonna be talking about We Are The Health Tribe, the new network set up to break the old network model, skills-based and not hierarchy-based we want to introduce you to one of the key members of the Health Tribe, which will be Ram Patel from Brain Cell, who will tell us a little bit about himself and also what Brain Cell does. So Ram, welcome to The Naked Voice.
1: Thank you, Max. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, My very first podcast. I'm not sure if I qualify to be a podcaster yet, but but let's see how we go. But um, it's nice to see that you guys do this kind of thing regularly. I've dipped into a few of them um, and I'm Delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Great. Well, good to have you. Ram, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with you because um, you've been around for a while. Not to say that Thank you're not you, ever, ever, you. not evergreen. However, <laughs> maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about um, how you came to uh, get into market research and how you came to found BrainCell.
1: Wow. Yeah, I wish I had a nice, smooth kind of answer for, for that sort of question. People ask me that. I never know where to begin. So, I mean, um, it's it's a market research company. And I, I think that's kind of it in a nutshell. No, seriously, I, I, I grew up being one of those annoying kids who um, was just always asking questions. And um, I was really bored. I was always interested in everything. And so you either loved me or hated me. I mean, I had teachers who thought the sunshine had my proverbial. I had others who thought I was the Satan. Um, you know, I I ask questions for a living today. So that's, that's kind of what I do. It's what I've always done. I had no idea what I wanted to do um, in later life, you know, when I grew up. I'm not sure I've grown up yet, but I still, you know, it's I stumbled into this really, probably like most people stumble into their careers. Very few, I think, have a, a clear path. I think those who do are very lucky. For me, it was really just stumbling from one thing to another to another. I I did economics at at university, um, where sort of so one year I was learning about rational expectations theory and how you know the markets are governed by rational expectations; these are factored into all their models. And then the next year I learned about behavioral economics and how we're all very irrational beings and decisions are made in very rational kind of platforms. So all this kind of did was, um, I guess, just ignite my curiosities even more. As well as my frustrations. I ended up working in a um, market research company called BMRB back in the day, early 90s. Um, And then from there, I sort of stumbled into um, a publishing outfit, which was servicing advertising agencies and media owners. So that was my first kind of um, introduction to the world of advertising agencies as such. Um, My role kind of morphed into um, sort of a more marketing. Based role there and then I sort of joined the BMJ so that was my introduction to, to healthcare um, as, as a marketing bod. So um, did lots of great things at, at BMJ, I was there for about six years or so. Um, so for example I, I worked on their website, um, I worked on doing things like launching the first national careers fair for medics. Um, really I think my role was um, to try and get into the minds of, 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 of the doctors and really understand what what they what they think and feel, how they behave. Um, this is all part of building the sort of marketing plans and our, our strategies internally. Um, and that's that's what really sort of interested me in how sort of decisions are formed in that kind of clinical space and that clinical domain. Um, launching the website, I one of the things we did, so this is I think back in 97, we, we sort of closed off the um access to the online version unless they answered a a very simple series of six or seven questions and I think we got something like 6,000 responses in a week which in those days was unheard of and I had a sort of research background and I know how difficult it was to get sort of 6,000 responses to a questionnaire, it was um, unheard of in those days and we did the same thing exactly the same week the following year and we had something like 27,000 responses and I thought whoa People say that not everyone's online. It seems like all the doctors are online, um, and I thought there's there's a real opportunity to do something smart and clever with with research in an online platform, particularly in healthcare, because it seemed like the, the the medics were on board with the internet far earlier than the most most of the rest of the um, population. So I mean that that had my head thinking, and um, you, you know, the sorts of things that kind of matter to me are things like um independence and freedom and I, I kind of became aware that I don't necessarily have a good fit with corporate kind of structures um, which if anyone knows me they'll vouch for that so I, I kind of sort of thought it's probably time to think about setting up your own business and so I'll plot brain cell back in 2001. I did have a small stint at a, a little internet startup I think most people were doing that around 2000 um, but then sort of set up brain cell to to do predominantly online market research. It's not online only anymore. It's um, obviously I have to take a methodology neutral position, which I think is the right way to do it. Um, and so, you know, it's a full service offering today. So is, is that given you kind of enough of a sort that's, of flavour of how I got to be doing brain cell?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that's a really good explanation. I, I do like your, your observation that most of us kind of meander into our careers, uh, having no idea how how we ultimately stumbled on what w- what we love. But the only thing we do know is once we find it, we we know that it's the right place to be. So I think that's I think that's a, a, definitely a, a felt path. I mean, uh, so I've yeah, uh, been po- doing this
1: for 20 years now. So, yeah. So you've obviously
0: found some, so you always found something like uh, Paul Lee, Raj or Russ, any, did any of you? seriously go in and say when I grow up I'm going to be running an advertising agency
2: uh no no
3: (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't even occurred, I
2: think I think that's what causes a lot of conflict I think um a lot of people who get very senior tell themselves that they planned it all out when they were 12 that oh yeah I want to work for a big advertising network and uh no, I don't. I don't think anyone is born, are they? Or when they're twelve, saying I want to work in healthcare or any type of advertising. I think if you are, then you're a little bit strange. I think, in my opinion.
1: And I, I said, I mean, yeah. I wanted to work with David Attenborough or be mm. a, a marine biologist and that sort of thing. But I had no idea really what I wanted to do. So mm. market research, I didn't even know know it as a thing when I was twelve.
0: Ram, I trained as a marine biologist, and I never wanted to be David Attenborough. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's. So, when you set up BrainCell all those years back in two thousand and one, which is actually more than twenty uh, years ago now, Ram, as, as, as time flies.
1: Now what, should be more
0: numerous. Yes, for a market researcher, honestly. Um, but tell us, what did you have a vision? Did you look at the other market research agencies and say, "I want to be like that" or "I don't want to be like that"? What was the kind of what was the kind of thing that that, that shaped the, the the way you wanted to build the company?
1: That's so that's interesting i mean it's, the 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 simple kind of vision at the time was to be able to deliver better research better numbers um more authentic response faster more cost effectively um bringing you know the clients closer to the truth of what they need to know that that was the the real simple kind of mantra it no one was really doing online research um at that time, I think I was one of the first sort of pioneering ones, and you know, people say, "Oh, you can't do it. You can't trust. You can't trust online methodologies. You don't know really who's answering." And I thought, "No, there's there's ways you make sure that it's all authentic. Is what you verify who the participants are, etc." Um, I I think the vision was I wanted to break away from, you know, the frustrations of how slow market research processes were. You know, you, as a client, I felt. You yeah, know, I, I want to know X, Y and Z, but I need to kind of know fast so that I can put this into my plans and and work out what we're going to do the following nine months to 12 months to two years. Um, and the research agencies would invariably say, well, it's going to be sort of um, three months or four months. And then, then there's always sort of you know, time lag as well. So it was born out of that kind of frustration. Plus, really, it wasn't just the frustrations. It was a real opportunity. I thought, look, we've got a way to do great things here really fast. Um, they're so responsive online. Well, they were in those days, they're less so. Now we can talk about that more later if you like. But I thought it's, this is a wonderful opportunity, got to jump on it. So that, that's really what drove me to sort of set it up and think, right, let's start talking to people about the virtues and benefits of of doing online research in the healthcare space. Right,
0: thanks. And and I think we've obviously we've worked with, uh, with BrainCell with Brain and with you, Ram, and we we've we've had some very positive experiences. I mean, I think Lee, maybe you want to g- give us a comment about some of the sort of flexibility and some of that speed that we 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 we've encountered but when when we've worked in, in this way.
4: Yeah, I can do it. Well I, I think first of all I yeah, I think Ram and I we we worked together um when Ram, when you first started Brain it must have been Actually, twenty twenty years ago and we've worked on yeah. everything from yeah. 20 years you're actually my very
1: first client um well i wasn't wasn't working with you i was working with um marco and um malcolm bless them say hi to them yeah yeah um but yeah yeah, yeah. you were actually my very first client funnily enough but um that was fun antifungal products I remember it well I, I was going to say campaign. we
4: worked on um well, yeah, we worked on everything from testosterone gel to, to fungal nails oral <laughs> contraception and breast implants has been well, apart from yes. fungal nails quite a sexy journey really but um yeah no I, I think yeah Rams always you know every time so I, I think I've been quite outspoken against market research sometimes I I know it's absolutely critical to to, to do um and why we use Rams because he does this so well and, and as he said you know is quick it's very accurate um and um yeah we've had nothing but but great experiences. I guess the most recent one we worked together was in um oral contraception and uh, that, that was a huge project that we did globally in, t- in terms of launching that brand and we we researched the, the sort of different stages from some of the strategic thoughts um right through to the concept obviously a number of concepts and and um the campaign story as well so yeah it's been it's been a great experience and it's, uh, it's yeah, good to that, chat around. that that was yeah. a
1: brilliant brilliant project to work on because like you say it was like from start to finish you know even from sort of yeah. like the the, the the brand and the logo design kind of internal stakeholder research right the way through to the positioning and concept and message testing etc it was brilliant and and um What was wonderful there was I had clients like yourselves, um, and 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 the client company willing to sort of engage with and be brave enough to engage with the sort of more newer methodologies, which I feel bring you closer to the truth of what's really going on in the minds of their customers, than the sort of um, the more traditional kind of approaches. Because you know, so what I'm talking about here is things like the the use of heat maps for visual imagery assessment, and then use of sort of text highlights tools for you know understanding which parts of your copy or key messages are, are really having traction which parts are sort of not working as strongly as as you'd like them to so it's a great great to have that opportunity to sort of demonstrate some of those more sort of novel tools that that we have.
4: Yeah, and as the, usual, of course, um, Ram, I was going to say, as usual, from a creative point of view, and you, I'm sure you hear this all the time, the, the best concept did not win the testing. So that's something no, we I, do need I, to improve. So, <laughs> so,
0: so Ram, one, one of, the, one, of the, one of the good things, and I think this is shows, of, uh, notwithstanding Lynn's comment, which I think was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but notwithstanding that, what shows the real value of this market research is that now, even two years after we did the market research, we're still dipping back into that research to actually remind the client and remind some of the clients partners what the market was telling us and why we should be sticking to a certain strategic direction so that the, the value goes beyond the immediate and it, you've always got that in your bank of memory to go back and say this is why we did what we did at this time and this is why it still makes sense So i think that adds value i want to before we go to we are the health drama i do want to uh, sort of touch on one of the little controversial things lee said about um, creators and market research because obviously that is a bit of a love-hate relationship for us what do you think about market research and how it helps the creative process? Hmm.
3: I think it, it can massively help the creative process. It's, it's quite, an, it's, it's quite strange how sometimes you just get a, a, it maybe just a little quote or some, just some little nugget that really helps inform um, um, the, the creative approach to a brief. Um, one, one that really uh, came to mind was when uh, we were launching a, a new antidepressant And like most people, I just assumed um, treating depression was just about elevating mood, but it was actually far more about that. You could actually have somebody that was treated um, emotionally. They felt okay, but it was still affecting their cognitive abilities. And uh, throughout the market research, we had some really nice little quotes and little insights that people were mentioning. Things about the idea of being absent came came through. So that really helped inform the, um, the creative concept we came up with. So yeah, it, it, it massively helps as well. So obviously when you have a creative brief, the thing you go back to is the, is the proposition and stuff, but um, any little nuggets like that, particularly little quotes that you can latch on to, um, yeah, can be hugely beneficial.
1: Yeah, I, I think the creative brief thing is, is really important. So for me as a researcher, um, to put, you know, to, to be able to assess whatever um, creative has been, Produced. I need to have a good understanding of the creative brief and and why it is that way. Only then I can sort of develop a research program that sort of fits and dovetails well with with you know with what we need to discover about the the, the creative. I mean, I think too often, um, yeah, there is this animosity between the the, the creative elements and then the, and the researcher, and they're not sort of aligned. They're not thinking on the same platform, um, and so the research isn't sort of developed finely tuned with the creative, if you see what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. kind of at odds, and and the outputs are kind of not useful. Um, in fact, they, they could be misleading. It's really important to be able to sort of, for, for creative research testing, it's, it's really important to understand what the creative brief was from the outset, and sort of be, you have, I'd say, the luxury to be able to interrogate that. And I think that's one of the things I can get to do quite easily with working with with, with yourselves. I think the, the other thing is, I know, Russ, you talk about it, it's great to have, um, quotes and things which are really important, of course, because they they can stimulate creative direction as well. But um, there's a lot more to to the research design than just the questions that that come out. You know, there's a lot of thinking that goes on in terms of, you know, what is this question sort of playing to um, the rational domain or the subconscious domain? Is it system one response, system two? You know, what is it that we're trying to get out of it? And all of this, I rarely have an opportunity to discuss with clients or yourselves, because there's just simply not enough time. So, so you just get a set of questions and some rationalised why the flow is the flow. But um, it's it's nice sometimes to be able to sort of have the time to discuss things more thoroughly. Which I think you know, working with smaller agencies, more independent-minded agencies, you, you have more opportunity to do that. It's one of the things I like to do with them, with with the guys at Naked Health.
0: Right, and I guess going back to Lee's point, one of the one of the, one of the fears we always have when we put um, pure creative into into research is, is it just turns into a beauty parade rather than into a what what's going to be best for the brand? And I think you know maybe some of those methodology and questionnaires, and also going back to the creative breather are some of the ways to get away from that. Ram,
1: is that right? Yeah, that is right. I mean, I th- I think it's because I frankly I just, I just don't think enough research agencies do the diligent thing of really interrogating the the creative brief and really taking the time to understand where the creatives coming from and why. And I think you need to appreciate that before you sort of start to develop a research programme around it, because if if you don't understand that, you'll end up asking all the wrong questions. Um, And that's not to say that the questions have to be sort of aligned so that they make the creative look good. Far from it. It's not about that. It's about trying to get closer to the truth what's going on and the truth really matters. I mean for, for me as a researcher um, that's really what what drives me to do what I do. I'm, I'm hunting for the truth actually. I, I know we're living in, a. am sort of digressing here, I know we live in a post-truth era these days which is all a bit sad. In, in fact I was sort of um, at a market research conference a couple of years back where there was um, a prominent BBC broadcaster as a keynote, I won't mention names, but he ended with um, a line which was along the lines of um, in essence, the only truth that matters is your version of the truth. And I was sat there totally aghast. I was looking around and there were a few other faces like mine, but there were others who were just applauding. And I was thinking, wow, what a mixed up world we live in. I mean, for me, you've just shattered my world of sort of, you know, working, trying to find the truth. And, you know, so I'm going to stick to my guns. For me, what matters is getting as close to the truth as possible. Um, Finding versions of truth is a bit of a distraction. And, and for me, I'd, I'd advocate against it. I understand there are times when you can't have clear cut truth and you have to sort of go with one direction or another. And, and, and by all means, that's when the skill and judgment of the researcher combined with the, the creative and the client all, all have to come together and marry up well. But I think I digress there.
0: Sorry. No, terrible. no, it's it's an interesting topic, but um, let's let's move on because time is pressing to to get on to uh, the, the next topic. Really, that, that uh, we want to talk about is uh, we are the health tribe. Now, Raj, maybe you can um, explain because we, we were all involved in sort of selecting who we felt would be fit. But m- maybe Raj, you can explain why we felt that market research and brain cell in particular was going to be such a good fit for us.
5: I think one of the big things obviously I think that's been mentioned already we, we had a very good working relationship with uh, with Ram uh, a lot of us kind of worked with him in different guises across the years so you know a big thing for us was you know the quality of the work that you delivered Ram you know and that you know mm, with so you. many client endorsements and kind of you know praise um, that there was no other real option and 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 the, and the big thing is that you know this network was developed on skills first right who's who's going to be the best at doing what we need done and the client needs done right um, so there was kind of no-brainer no really from that point of view.
0: Right. And so leading on from that, Ram, you know, put you on the spot. We we obviously approached you. We gave you this kind of idea. I pitched this idea of this new. It was 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 only an idea at that stage. I think you were probably one of the very first companies we went and talked to, about it to. And um, and I think you know, generally you were very positive. So t- tell me why this seemed like a good idea to you and tell me how you think this is going to benefit both brain cell and, and maybe even the way you can service clients.
1: Yeah, I, I, I remember when you were, you came and sort of posed the question, and I thought it was just a simple, instinctive response. It was like oh, it's it's an absolute no-brainer to to not simply because we'd had such a good um, experience of working together, and it, it it was instinctive because there's a level of trust already in place. There's there's you know there's mutual respect already there. There's people that I'm talking to who are at, kind of at the top of their game and who, who know what they're doing clearly, who make decisions fast, who make life for the client, for their suppliers, everyone a lot easier just because of the way they work and their attitude towards sort of being focused on, you know, on, on the job at hand. So, you know, being goal focused, being objective driven, um, just being simple, truthful, mutual respect, all those sorts of values as well as, and I think this is a crucial one, as well as maintaining that kind of independence um, of an entity. So you're not kind of absorbed or consumed by by another entity. You still have your freedom and independence to operate as you feel right, which I think is really important. Um, So to partner up with organisations like that, I think was was, was a stroke of genius. I think it's brilliant. It's much better than, I think, um, you know, that sort of a more networked approach where you are obligated a lot more um, to deliver things in a certain way or to, Tow a company line. Here we are still free spirits. We'll we'll call things out as we see them, um, and we're not afraid of any repercussions. You know, we, we'll just sort of thrash out any issues if they emerge. Um, we we'll, we're focused on solving problems. That's that's it's as simple as that, and done with mutual respect um, and consideration as well. So I mean, it's it's. All those sorts of things, which all sound kind of serious, but also there's there's the element of having fun with great people to work with. So it's it's it was just an instinctive no-brainer. Um, I don't know if I've made that clear enough as to why I said yeah. And it's a, yeah, I think at a time I said it's it's a grown-up way of doing business. I think I, I recall saying something like that, which which you thought yeah, that's a, that's a great way of describing it. Exactly. So, grown up, and it,
0: it's a it's a collaboration of the willing. I think, which is always which is always a little bit better. And one of the things you just said there, Ram, strikes me as being a very uh, key benefit for clients. And I've noticed it. This, I know, agility is a horrible word, which is hugely overused, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, it still is. It still is a valuable property, and I, I think this idea of, of independence being able to really navigate very quickly and and meet you know sometimes very tight timelines or meet quite difficult expectations. That to me, in, in my experience, it is a real um, a real USP for 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 a group like we're the Health Tribe. What, what do you think about that, Ryan?
1: No, I think I think you're spot on, and I hope that. Um... I'm sure we'll be able to sort of demonstrate the value of of this going forward. But it's it's it, it'd be I, I just wonder if the clients actually sort of notice this or not. Or you know, I I, I know there are scenarios where they're an account to an agency, um, and X Y and Z have been promised within certain delivery timeframes, etc. And there's those are rarely met on time, um, and not always met on budget as well. Um, I just wonder if procurement, I mean here's a question, I, I wonder ah. if procurement sort of ever calculate things, metrics like, you know, the, the the speed at which you can make decisions, the speed at which you can get things done, and I wonder if they correlate that with what your daily fee or your sort of, you know, your, your account um, remuneration should be, I mean it, it'd be an interesting one for procurement I think to give them some, some consideration to, I think if there are layers in between in the in the decision making chain, then that's going to slow down the processes so much and can create tension all over the place. Um, re- if you can have a way of removing those layers, which I think points to a skills-based approach, which, um, then you, you're some way towards reducing some of that sort of unnecessary um load that comes with 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 your typical kind of account. So I think it's you know that there, there are I, I hate using terms like efficiency because i I just find them a bit constrained. but there are clear kind of um eed benefits, I'm not going to say an agile approach either, but that you know it's it's just a, a faster slicker way of, of of operating and and just getting more work done faster with the same sort of budget.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point about procurement. I'm not sure if they do um, assess that in any way. I I guess we'd have to talk. I mean, I I wonder if it's something that they they would assess if they were aware that this was a variable that could be changed. And, and, you know, maybe in the existing model, it it, it doesn't even arise because everyone is working to this kind of layered model. And therefore, they haven't even factored it in. I mean, Mm. I don't know what what other people think about that. because you know, that's old what
5: you, adage, isn't it? Uh, time is money. Yeah. So yeah, acutely yeah. in this case.
0: <laughs> no, it's a great it's a great point, and I I think to be honest, it behoves us we're, we're actually talking to procurement at different times. It actually behoves us to raise that point with them and see that whether that is something that actually is of interest and something that, that we we could add value. And so that's that's a really good point. Thank you, Ram, for that. Definitely. Um. So let's move on. I mean, I, I, I think we're all agreed, but we, we're kind of a bit in love with the model. So probably we're a little bit biased. I think we're, we're all agreed that, 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 you know, it's working. We, we're all we're all really working together across the health tribe in, in a number of different initiatives. And I think, you know, it's, it's early days and that that can only grow. So I think that is um, that's a really positive sign. So I want to move on now to our last topic, which is. The future of market insights and market research and, and, and where we see this going, is there going to be what's going to change? So we hope we've changed the network paradigm with where the health tribe. We hope we've changed the agency paradigm with Naked Health. So what's going to what's going to change in the market research arena? Um,
1: yeah. So where, where where's where's research going? Um, I think there's there's lots of different commentators, different views on this. For me, it, it's still. It's still rooted in trying to discover the truth about your customers, about your brand, about the market, about your internal stakeholders. For me, it's still all about the truth and how do you get to that truth in, in the best way possible. It's about understanding your customers and your stakeholders. It's really quite as simple as that. And how you do that? Um so look, Bra- brain cell is um stoically, dogmatically methodology neutral. That's that's all I'll say. So I don't I don't really have one. Kind of methodology that I lean on more than another, because you have to solve the problem on its merits. You have to sort of understand what it is and then go with that. But there are so many new sort of developments which I I, which sound amazing and exciting, and I think certainly worth exploring. And I and I'm always sort of looking into these sorts of things as well. So from for example, from sort of using wearables to um, you know to to assess what's going on in the brain. So I think there's um, there was a great um, podcast, I think one of our tribe partners, Castelli, there was um, Professor um, Zach, Paul Zach, talking about um, his kind of, you know, sort of transition from laboratory-type research um, using brain scan techniques to correlating that with wearables, and then being able to sort of put stimulus material in front of a large volume of participants and getting an aggregated view of which parts of of, of the stimulus material are, are are working well and which parts aren't based on the you know the biorhythms that the wearables are, are transmitting back. So I mean there's there's things like that going on. Um, there's also you know facial recognition AI type stuff, which you can now do quant online and it'll give you sort of yeah a, a clear picture of where your stimulus so is is working well and where it's not. So there's those sorts of emerging things which 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 are brilliant. Then you have to take into account also all the sort of emerging thinking, you know, I've mentioned behavioural economics already here, um, but there's there's still a lot to be done in that space because that helps you kind of unravel what, you know, what the irrational behaviours mean and how you can sort of use those to sort of um, better understand your customers and, and target them more appropriately. So there's a lot going on in, in, in those sorts of spaces. In the end, I think you have to realise that all research is basically an approximation of the truth. That's how I see it. Um, and if if there's appetite from the client and willingness, then I would always advocate um, a, a, a way of sort of triangulating the research. So you get a sort of a more consensus view using slightly different methodologies to try and sort of home in on, on, on where the truth really I- I exists. So, you know, so, for example, you could do some nice qual research with a bit of um, online quant, which may or may not have some you know facial recognition kind of stuff built in or some heat maps or text highlighter or um, other kind of you know technologies so I've got this video um, short form video assessment tool that we've developed called Wormline. Mm-hmm. so yeah you, you can use all these kinds of different sort of novel things if the problem kind of requires it so that that's what I'd say I, I, in, in terms of where's insights and research heading I, I still think it's sort of got to be rooted in the truth one of the big barriers that you're gonna have is um especially in healthcare is is participants. Um they're they're so over-researched. Okay, so that you know, you have to be very mindful that you're getting quality participants in place, not not your serial researchers. You have to make sure they're in the right frame of mind to take part in the research so you get an authentic response and a meaningful response to to your questions. And I think that's that's an area that really needs um further sort of Attention, to say the least. I mean, in, in out in the healthcare space, in market research, um, there's a lot that has been going on to look at how to improve response rates, for example, amongst healthcare professionals, and um, because they are largely over-researched. You know, you, I, I'd imagine currently, the average immunologist is getting thirty or forty requests to take part in market research a day, which is just far too much. So we need to think through different ways of 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 getting this, and one of these ways could be sort of things like you develop um, your own kind of, a bit like an extended advisory board potentially, but uh, you could call it something like a panel, a brand panel or a a therapy area panel, where you've got sort of people who are like a core, which you can expand out, invite others who are not core to it. And you can dip into them for, in an, I'd say it max, but in an agile way. So you can can find out, um, you know, what they're thinking relatively quickly. Um, But I mean all all of this, uh, there are lots of options which are sort of emerging and and it's an exciting space to be in. So I I, I don't know if that sort of answers the question well but I think fundamentally for me it has to be rooted in the truth. Um, Anything else that's sort of talking about versions of truth I'm not really going to sort of warm to too too quickly. (laughs) It's for me it's about truth.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And Paul, you're a kind of deep thinking fellow. and We haven't heard a lot from you uh, on this podcast. So um, what do you what do you think about this? Where, where, where do you see, well, where do you see market research or developments of market research could help you in some of the work you're doing?
2: Um, well, I've really enjoyed listening to Ram because a couple of things. One, I've done a lot of work with market researchers and not once have they asked to see the credit brief. They've been at best lukewarm uh, or interested in what the creative is uh, they're more concerned about doing a good job themselves because you know in the end we're all selling ourselves and our services to clients but I think one of the things that Ram said which hit home to me I've been in lots of market research and the doctor has said something and that's great that's the first step but it's how you interpret that it's how you then use whatever tools or your experience or whatever to then what does that actually mean what is the truth of what that guy is saying because a guy can say something, and I've, and I've been there, and the clients or some clients have taken it one way, some clients have taken it the other way, some have not again t- taken it at face value, and that's when you go wrong, because people say something, but what do you mean by that? And I think, but I sound it sounds it, and I don't know uh, Ram at all, but it sounds it, you seem to love what you do, therefore, if you love what you do, then you want to know the truth and the why, and that's when the clients
1: uh, get the best results, and that's what we all want to do, isn't it, for our clients? Yeah, absolutely spot on. I mean, it's it's understanding the why is is really kind of not easy to do because as you say, it really relies very heavily upon in- interpretation. Um, and there you have to factor in potentially lots of different kinds of cognitive biases, you know, in in, in interpreting that why. So when you've asked a question which is really kind of trying to uncover the why aspect of something, the response needs to be carefully kind of um unless it's really simple and clear-cut response tends to have to be sort of really carefully interpreted and and you've got to help the clients to understand that you can't just sort of give them a quote and say isn't that wonderful they said that I think you've got to help them along in terms of sort of but what that could mean is x y and z um it's it's it's
2: absolutely and 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 that and that's where I've seen people play itself uh, people play say they don't want to do that because they might be wrong or they might get the wrong idea and for me I've never really understood that because um, that's the fun of talking to clients. That's when mostly they think, all right, this guy's thinking, they may disagree, they may whatever, but that's when you interpret it and analyse what people have said. And I think that that desire to want to be brave, to have an opinion, to think about things, is where you get the real magic and the real insights. And I think very few people actually want to take that risk because we live sometimes in a bit of a blame culture. And uh, I I think that's...
1: To your point before i think that hides getting to the truth yeah and, and talking about blame culture i think this is one of the things that'll be unique about we are the health tribe um because we are independent and you know free thinking that that, that blame culture just won't really exist exactly
0: Good. Okay, we are running out of time, gentlemen, I'm afraid. So I'm going to have one last question. Same question to Lee from a creative perspective. Lee, you know, the future of market research, what do you hope in the future of market research will happen that will help you um, in in your creative endeavours?
4: it's well, a huge question i think probably don't <laughs> test creative concepts just test the brief <laughs> and the strategy um, and just leave the concept well alone it just destroys a, a good idea but no I, I, I don't know i think all of the things um that we said is pr- i think it's like the, the the methodology that ram uses and doing it online as well i think it probably gets around this problem more but i know when i've been in um, market research sessions, you get a group of doctors in a room. I, I don't think I've ever really saw any of them um treat the research that seriously. And and one person says something really stupid or banal and 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 and, and then everybody agrees and, and that's fed back to the client and, and and it stops many a great idea going through, I think. And um so, so I think any way we can get around that sort of behaviour, and and really truly, I think you know, like the heat map, maps, anything that we can gauge, kind of perhaps more inherently, and 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 not not listen to every single thing that the doctor says in market research because it's such a false set. So anything that, that that we can do to address those sorts of things, I think would would be the future of um, market research from my from my point of view a very biased creative mind. Right.
1: It's, in, it's interesting you say that. Look, I mean, what, what goes on is in, in those sorts of discussions that you described, Lee, is, is you, you get what I call invasive contemplation and you're not getting a true response to <laughs> yeah. to to, to, yeah. to what, what it is you need to know. So I think I'll leave it there. because um,
0: No, I think I think I think it's a good place to live. and I think we're all coalescing around what you were talking about, Ryan, which is this. This fundamental thing that market research is trying to get to truth. And uh, sometimes, you know, you have to use different ways of getting to truth. And truth may not be what people say, but it may be what they're thinking. And you have to find find ways of, of seeing that beyond, you know, the sort of human thing of trying to impress people or trying to be part of the peer group. I that. Ram. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Ram Patel from BrainCell joining Naked Voice. Uh, we've really enjoyed the discussion. We've enjoyed uh, learning about your journey and also learning about why you felt we're the health tribe was, was such a great idea. I also want to thank, of course, as always, the, uh, the Naked team, Russ, Paul, Lee, and Raj for your contributions, and of course, Finally, but not leastly, to thank you, the listeners, for taking the time out of your busy days to listen to this. We hope it's been useful and informative. Don't forget, this is a regular series, so check back for more often. And we look forward to seeing you sometime in the future. Thank you and goodbye.